You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We, if you are listening to us right now, I feel like we're we're in the ISS, like we're in the space station, we're being like cut off from communication from Earth, we're like beaming out, or we're like in a submarine in the bottom of the ocean. Like, can anyone hear us? Uh, we have just finally gotten back on air. You haven't missed anything if you're listening right now. We we were uh, spending some time, we had some server issues, yes. just like random internet dropout, like... But we have worked furiously and tirelessly mm-hmm. to try and get back on air. Hopefully, you guys can hear us. You're <laughs> listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. You're joined by myself, Lawson, across from me. We've got Nikita. We've got Good Peter morning. as well on the decks getting it done. And, um, yeah, hey, give us a text message. Yes, please. Uh, 0491-064-669. Let us know if you can hear us uh, and and you're reading <laughs> us loud and clear. We can see the, the stations getting back online and whatnot. Yeah, random random issues this morning, you know. Don't know what happened, but, hey, hey we're here. Like, hey, we, you, you guys, you know, usually we do the, the weather and whatnot. Hey, have a look outside today. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's where we're at right now. Uh, you're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And I guess, you know, what we can do, let's get into our first question for the quiz. Yes, we'll do that. So this one's a multiple choice. So Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is A, quick, B, powerful, C, sharper than any two-edged sword, or D, all of the three above. Mm. Now, that was Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is A, quick, be powerful, see sharper than any two-edged sword, or D, all of the above. Wow, powerful stuff there. Hey, if you know the answer, 0491 is the number to text. Of course, our prize for this week is a powerful book. Yes. 40 Days of Prayer. Oh. Getting into it's It's a beautiful devotional book. It's one of those books that you you follow along each day. It's got some new counsel. Mm. It's got, you know, just, um, yeah, things to, to pray for, things to look out for. It's, it's a real revival book. If you're in a place where you're wanting to connect with God mm. and experience revival, this is the book for you. Again, 0491-064-669. Actually, speaking of prayer. Yes. Prayers and whatnot. You were recently <laughs> up at the prayer conference. I was. In Stuart's point. How was that? It was amazing. Shout out to Dwayne Lemon for mm. um, and Sharissa Torreson because um, she was the one that, along with the, uh, another crew as well, just mm. helping sort out this organization and this wonderful event that happened on the weekend. We really heard the wisdom of God um, that God impressed Dwayne, uh, Pastor um, and Brother Lemon, mm-hmm. to just talk to us about God's love, our how. Our relationships from childhood with our earthly parents as well as adult trauma Mm. as well. So childhood trauma and adulthood trauma, if we really don't work those out, then that truly really impacts our relationship with God Mm. since he is a father figure but heavenly. Yeah. And how do we relate to God with how we relate to our earthly father as well? Yeah. And I I love that. It's in the context of prayer conference as mm. well, because the answer to that question, although there are so many earthly factors yes. that could potentially keep us from connecting with God, mm-hmm. whether it be our, our our background, our childhood, our trauma, whatever it may be, the beautiful thing is that 
through the power of God, through the Amen. supernatural power of God, through mm-hmm. prayer. Like he is wanting to will and to work change. Got a bunch of people writing in that they can hear us. Thanks, Raph oh, and Wayne bless. and Janelle and Valme, like writing in a, few, a bunch of others as well. We'll just give you that question one more time because yes. I know that we, well, I was looking at the stations and it was like, as we're saying the question, it was like more and more and more. So just give it gotcha. to us one more time. So Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is A, quick, B, powerful, C, sharper than any two-edged sword, or D, all of the above. Yeah, of course, 40 days of prayers and God's end devotionals on God's end time church. So that's Ooh. the other perspective that the ch- church, uh, that this book is sharing. Mm. It's getting really into when we look at Revelation chapter 3. Yeah. And it talks about the different churches and it pu- uh, we see that the last church mentioned there is Laodicea. And mm. it's a description of God's end time church. Those who are lukewarm, those who are kind of in, kind of out, yes. and giving counts of all the counsel that Jesus gives is like, hey, um, you guys are terrible and I vomit you out of your mouth. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he is most displeased with their spiritual position because it's like make a decision. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how can we have that kind of spiritual experience where God is leading us to be sincere in our faith and fall before him? And that's exactly what this book is all about. So again, 0491-064-669. That is the number two text uh, with an answer to the quiz but yeah thank you guys for for letting us know you know where we're at what we're doing and what we're what we're up to what we're we're getting into and uh yeah we we uh we had some issues this morning yes. we're back on air we're we're keen to hear from you and it's actually cool because you've got a bunch of people writing in like hey we can hear you from canberra we can hear you from hey, victoria we can hear you welcome. from queensland oi where are you listening in from this morning let us know where yes. where where are you hearing faith fm as to which extremities of the australian <laughs> uh australian area are you listening from mm. let us know so that we can make sure that we're broadcasting <laughs> in those areas and we're back on and we're working again. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to the Breakfast Show. We are on our rebound tour right now. I'm back connected <laughs> online. We've got plenty of text messages coming in from you guys. Um, I love Braden's one in particular. He's yes. like Brisbane, coming in from Brisbane though on the app, and an hour in the past. We have a time traveler, of course. Uh, an unfortunate. Amazing. Well, I don't want to say unfortunate. I, I feel like there's a really d- divided opinion about daylight savings. Mm. What do you? How do you feel about daylight savings? I don't like it when it interrupts my sleep schedule, but I actually do appreciate it because then the sunrise and sun set or at yeah. different times I, I think, think for newcastle here it's perfect because yes. we we have a pretty like nice middle easy. of the road sunrise sunset kind yes. of thing and i love having more daylight before mm. before the sun goes down like i love being able to i, I used to love it growing up because it meant like i'd be riding my motorbike or my bmx or something around mm-hmm. the backyard and i could stay out <laughs> longer because the sun wouldn't go down yes uh, but now as an adult like Dude, you know, a classic, whether it's a, a Sunday afternoon activity, you know, I'm thinking like you're at the beach with your friends and, and hanging out and whatnot, and mm. you have more time yes. like out and about <laughs> and whatnot because the sun's still up. You can swim for longer. You can do stuff longer. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of daylight savings. Hey, let us know what you think. 0491 And of course, that's the number as well to get in for our next quiz question. Definitely. So this one's a fill in the blank. But woe unto you that are blank, for ye have already received your consolation. Now, the reference there is Luke 6.24, and it says, 
But woe unto you that are blank, for ye have already received your consolation. Mm, absolutely. Hey, if you know the answer, 0491 That is the number to text. And, of course, this is a prize that you definitely want to get in mm-hmm. for. What have we got today? We've got the 40 days of prayers and devotions on God's End Time Church. Uh, at the moment, I'm also going through a um, devotional prayer book right mm. now, and mine's up. For 90 days, but I've seen this book. It absolutely sounds wonderful where it's talking about the Laodicean church and the state that is the last day church. So how can we actually choose to follow God and create that relationship with him in prayer and strengthen our spiritual walk with him? Mm. So that's the book that you'd be receiving by the end when you're, um, when you answer the questions and then we end up doing a wonderful, Check to see who wins the prize Absolutely. at the end of the week. Yeah, again, fill in the blank, but woe unto you that are blank, for ye have already received your consolation. Of course, for this week, and usually yesterday, well, last week we yes. switched it up. We were doing a <laughs> drill every day, but it will be drawn on Friday as well. So you guys have, well... Up to 25 chances. Mm-hmm. If you didn't answer any questions yesterday, unfortunately, that's diminishing. But from <laughs> from now, I think if we're on to our second question, you have up to up to 18 t- chances from yes. now to get in for mm-hmm. this prize. And the more questions you answer correctly, the more chances you have Absolutely. to win. Listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and I've got a really interesting story to talk about coming mm-hmm. from the UK. Um, and this conversation was sparked after... A really awful event happened in Clapham in the UK, which is yep. such an epic name for a town, Clapham. Clapham. <laughs> so in Clapham, there was a really terrible thing that happened. It's South South London area, which uh, for those who are familiar with the UK, South London, you know, what they some refer to as the ends, uh, mm-hmm. very uh, difficult and uh, low socioeconomic area, kind yep. of like a bit, you know, uh, I don't know how to refer to it other than like, I don't know, the hood or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, usually where like, yeah, just lower socioeconomic area. Yeah. Um, there was a really awful attack that happened uh, and a police manhunt as a result. Uh, there was a 35 year old man. His name is Abdul Shakur Azedi, um, who decided to go on a chemical attack and That's throw chemicals. Crazy. In uh, he targeted a mother and two children with a corrosive oh, no. alkaline substance, and this obviously incredibly sad. Like, yes, terrible, uh, terrible, terrible, terrible thing that has taken place. He targeted these people. Now, this particular person, as well, has a background and a history of offending. Um, mm-hmm. He was um, a sex offender, or he committed a sex crime in 2018. Yeah. He was, you know, a sex offender. He was put on, he was given a suspended sentence mm-hmm. and mandatory, um, mandatory, uh, what's the word? Like help, you know, you have to like pick up rubbish or whatever it may be. Oh, community yep. service, community, community service. service. Uh, so mandatory community service. Uh, now, the interesting thing about this person is that they're originally from Afghanistan and they arrived in the UK by lorry in 2016. So in the back of a truck, yeah. rocked up in the UK as an asylum seeker. Gotcha. And they sought asylum and they were refused twice for asylum. Yes. Until 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. late 2020, 2021, where they were then accepted. Oh. The reason they were accepted mm. is because of a claimed conversion to Christianity that had taken place that was signed off by a local church leader uh, from the yeah. Anglican church. So 
they were from an Islamic background, mm-hmm. uh, from Afghanistan. They had been repeatedly rejected for asylum here. Yeah. Well, not here, but in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then they had claimed to be Christian and had gotten asylum. The question was raised as a result of this particular instance. Yes. And then the investigation is starting to be done and questions are beginning to be asked mm-hmm. as to whether these conversions to Christianity are actually real. Yeah. Because, uh, and I don't want to go out of my way to say completely that, oh, this was, this attack was informed by his religion or by being Islamic or something Mm. like that. Although we do see these things happen, we don't completely know, but simultaneously, and although Christians in the past have done terrible things, it's like, okay, if this person has converted to Christianity and is yeah. living like a Christian life and, and whatnot. And they give him asylum because it's like, Oh, he is going to receive persecution. Like this is a nonviolent person. Mm. who's going to receive persecution in their own country if, in Afghanistan, if they don't get asylum in the UK. And then it turns out that they're wreaking havoc and being a menace. It's like, and people signed off on the fact that yes, yes. this person is a converted and devout church going Christian. Doesn't really line up with his actions. That's though. that's right. His actions, and furthermore, like there's, they have seen that there's, you know, he hasn't been attending a local church. There's no mm. evidence of him doing so, and so it's like, what is going on here? Yeah. And so this has, you know, launched all kinds of calls and investigations mm. and and you know whatnot to get into like, okay, what is actually taking place here? Mm-hmm. Um, the, which I find particularly interesting. Yeah. Because the topic of refugees. And the topic of asylum seekers, particularly in the UK, and even here in Australia amongst the mainline Protestants, but particularly mm. in the UK for the Anglican Church and for mainline Protestantism over there, yeah. has been a topic that they have been going on and on and on about. I feel like I see a new headline every week from something that Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, mm. or one of the leaders of the, you know, the Lutheran or Anglican or whatever church in the UK, mm-hmm. they, they're just continually posturing about asylum seekers. And I'm yes. like, man, and, and I even talked about it a little bit, like, because it's, it's, it was two main things that I saw, like, all throughout the headlines, mm-hmm. all the time, is asylum seekers and climate change. Like, yeah, they keep going, it's a oh, huge factor. They keep, yeah. like, these churches, these mainline Protestant churches in the UK are, like, so focused on this issue. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, like, obviously... Asylum seekers and supporting refugees mm. is a good thing. Jesus was a refugee. Like, we understand this. But I'm mm-hmm. like, why? And, you know, it, it was just a question that was raised in my mind. And I'm like, yeah, why? And now as they're investigating and they're seeing that, oh, wait, lots of asylum seekers are actually taking advantage of the church mm. and claiming and Christian conversion and being signed off by church leaders. Yes, to be able to find asylum and then kind of in a way uh, gaming the system a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, because without that conversion, they probably wouldn't be considered for asylum because whether like this man in Clapham, he's like a threat to security of Mm. people like, and he's doing violent things. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real doozy. And now the church is being accused of falsely claiming conversions of Christianity from asylum seekers to bolster their numbers and to and Ooh, for good posturing 
Ah, in the greater community as a charitable organization. And so, man, like all kinds of questions being raised here. And obviously here at Faith FM, we Mm. are a Christian station. We are believers in the Bible. But it is also so important for us to realize and consider um, that, and this is a conversation I was was having with someone recently, you know, true followers of Jesus worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. You know, we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit working. We see the truth being shared. If your church is, is, if the, the underlying point of your church is we help asylum seekers and we're seeing that that's not ending up well for these people. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You're joined by myself, Lawson. Got Nikita here joining us as well, doing a great job. Peter, on the desk. Hey, right now we are going to have our next quiz question. Yes, and that is, in what town did Jesus grow up? Oh, hey, the hometown. Yes. Wait, where's his hometown? Hey, if you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669, the answer is neither Newcastle, <laughs> nor no. Canberra, nor... Peter, where are you from? Maitland. Maitland? It's not Maitland. No. no. Uh, it's not Maitland. Uh, it's neither of those. If you know the answer, <laughs> hey, 0491-064-669. In what town did Jesus grow up? Of course, our amazing prize for this week, 40 days, prayers and devotionals for God's end time church. We'll give some more information about that throughout the show. Yes. We're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and on the phone with us, we have Dr. Taz Walker from Creation Ministries International, CMI, creation.com. Dr. Taz Walker, we are so excited to have you on the show with us this morning. Morning. Good, good morning, Lawson. It's great to great to be on with you. It's been a while, but it's it's good to catch up with you again. Yeah, it's been amazing. And of course, we've had uh, we've had your colleagues on the show as well, um, sharing uh, you know for us. And but it's good to have, have you back on Taz, talking about well, really like the real mission of CMI and Creation dot com is getting into how it is that we can see biblical creation line up with the archaeological history mm. that we in the geological history that we have going on uh, that, that can be observed and can be dug up and for that we're, we're really appreciative yeah that's right and uh, we live in a, in a culture today where uh, everything is interpreted in a certain way and that's mm. all that people hear in our culture and so for a lot of people it's and so that's what creation ministries is about shows that the evidence actually to look at it, it actually fits in with what the Bible says with biblical history. And coal is a big thing. I was wanting to talk to you about coal because you're in the middle of a, a, a big a city that uh, is famous for its coal, isn't it? Newcastle, coals to Newcastle. Absolutely. Oh man, you sound like so. I whenever my friends come here to Newcastle, I'm like a tour guide. You know, I take them around <laughs> the city and I point out because obviously, like. Well, the Australia, uh, sorry, I should say Newcastle has become more of like a you know metropolitan mm. city now in terms of if you go into Newcastle and whatnot. Um, but up until like 20, 25 years ago, like because of the coal and the BHP with the you know steel and, yep. and all this stuff, like the sky here was just orange, uh, <laughs> you know. And, and but still to this day, we have huge coal ports. Um, mm. It is it is really Newcastle began and still to this day is really an industry town revolving around coal uh we've got huge coal seams in the hunter valley and uh yeah that's, that's pretty much why we exist you know that's that's what mm. we owe our existence to <laughs> here in newcastle so yeah mate coal we we we're we're uh i don't want to necessarily say we love it but it's here <laughs> we're about it here in newcastle 
Taz, are you there with us? Hello. Oh, oh, call failed. We we have we've had a we've had a call fail. We've had a drop out there. We'll just we'll get him back on the line with us very soon. Um, yeah, but we were like the the plan for our interview there. Is he is he there? Taz, are you there with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, okay, sorry, sorry about that. A bit of a call failure there. Yeah, I was just banging on about how amazing Newcastle is and how much coal there is here. So, you know, mm. to, in uh, in total agreement with you on that one there. So, yeah. So, and the thing about coal is, you know, like, you know, we're told stories about it takes millions of years to form mm. and it formed in a swamp. You hear the idea that mm. coal formed in a swamp. There was a big swampy area. And we just think, well, they're geologists. They must know what they're talking about. And so we people just accept it, and that comes across on the various programs and that on TV. But in actual fact, uh, geologists were not there when it happened. They didn't see it form, you know. And they talk about it being in a hundred, you know, hundred and two hundred million years ago when it happened. So mm-hmm. nobody was there. And uh, when you look at it, it's a lot of. It's been buried. It's been buried in uh, in amongst all this sediment. Mm. That's what forms the coal seams. And mm. uh, Newcastle is very interesting because coal mines just around Newcastle, and then you've got the Hunter Valley just further to the uh, west. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the uh, the layers of uh, sediment they actually dip down towards the south. It's like a big mm. saucer, and it go it's and it goes down deep underneath around about Sydney, and then it comes up the other side, and mm. the same sediments come up into the Illawarra region around the Wollongong and that. Mm. And so that's famous for its coal as well. So yeah. they call that the Sydney Basin, mm. and so there's a lot of sediment in there, and it's about um, – it's kilometres it's kilometers deep in around the Sydney area, about three to five kilometres deep. And so some, there was a lot of stuff washed in and there was a lot of vegetation washed in and uh, the vegetation has changed into coal. Mm. And, and um, yeah, the, so that's the idea of how it happens. And you would hear people say it takes millions of years to form coal. Mm. But in actual fact, uh, people have done experiments in the laboratory and found that um, it, it only takes weeks or months. That's all that oh. it takes. Wow. And uh, – you wouldn't believe that. You don't hear that very much. No. You just imagine it takes a long time. Yeah. And uh, so you get the vegetation that's washed in. There's a lot of uh, sediment that covers it all up, sort of buried in, in these layers, big, long layers, mm. which indicates that there was some sort of catastrophe happening. Yes. And put wood in a container and it's uh, sort of pressure pressure tight with a bit of um, with a bit of catalyst something like ash or something mm-hmm. the wood actually uh, will turn to coal within a few it's not very hot 150 mm-hmm. degrees centigrade which is like uh, not the hottest oven you can get yeah. you know ovens mm. that's the low heat on the oven yeah. Yeah. and uh, it uh, within a few weeks it, uh, it 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 presents something that looks very similar to brown coal mm-hmm. and uh, and if you just turn the temperature up a little bit a bit higher the 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 chemical reaction goes further and instead of brown coal you start to get a black coal mm. and okay. then uh, then what happens is the the temperature drives off the the what they call the volatiles the stuff that's like gases and liquids mm. and yeah. that, and you eventually get stuff like anthracite 
Yeah, wow. And so, so it doesn't take long about coal. Uh, that like uh, geologists who believe in believe that God created like the Bible says, they think, well, this is perfectly understandable why there's so much vegetation around. And uh, so it makes it, it's a very, very simple thing to explain. And so uh, I've done uh, geological excursions around uh, Newcastle and going out to a little bit further west of, of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've looked at coal and all sorts of things. And I like to point out to people and, and show them just how the evidence fits in with, well, the key thing is, is with the catastrophe of Noah's mm-hmm. flood. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what makes uh, that's what happened. Uh, but the mainstream geologists they don't believe in Noah's flood, mm-hmm. and so they try to explain it by something that goes slow and gradual, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a lot of trouble. So that's where they come up with the idea of a swamp. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. What's the motivation there? Because I I'd imagine. You know, they're, they're using that principle of, you know, uniform, mm. uh, uniformity in terms of like all, all conditions just running the same throughout all time and, you know, things slowly being, uh, being turned into coal and whatever, coal slowly developing and whatnot, um, over millions and millions of years. What is the motivation there to, to come up with this kind of explanation that it took millions of years when we can prove in a laboratory that it just, that's simply not the case? Yeah. Um, well, the, the question is, like, it, it's uh, geology is put forward and portrayed as a science, but it's very unusual as far as the sciences go mm. in that oh, we can observe the rocks in the present. You can go down to the foreshore around Newcastle and you can, you can look at the actual rocks and that uh, on the, uh, you know, uh, the cliffs and that when you go down to the lakes and that sort of thing. So you can actually observe the rocks, but you can't see how they form. So that's the question is uh, you're just guessing. And mm. the question is how do we guess? How do we make a logical guess? And that's the idea is that, okay, what we will assume is we will assume what happened in the past is basically similar to what we see happening today. Mm. So that's the that's where the idea comes from. And that's been that's sort of been going on for uh, a couple of hundred years, really. Mm. That assumption and uh, work and coal is one area where there's a lot of problems with it not working. Yeah. Mm. yeah. How can you accumulate so much vegetation? I mean, where where do we see vegetation accumulating today? Mm. And you don't see it happening. Uh, like in a rainforest, there's lots of vegetation, but when it dies, it rots away. Yeah. So it doesn't accumulate. And so the big, you know, the, the big go-to is, um, oh, it must have been in a swamp because the vegetation would be preserved in the swamp. That's the idea. Mm. And so that's where it comes up, the swamp idea. And you find that, well, the funny thing is that this, the plants that grow that we find in the coal are the sort of plants that don't grow in swamps. Yeah, <laughs> they, wow. they grow on the sides of mountains, and uh, and people will say, "Oh, yeah, but in the past they were different." So, <laughs> so. But, but of course, this is unobservable, and yes. we've never seen this. And uh, and yeah, no, I I really appreciate what you're sharing here because mm. what ultimately we're seeing is rather than one being based on research and another being based on faith, you know, in terms of explanation, we can see that both are based on research mm-hmm. and both are b- based on some kind of interpretation of the evidence yeah. that's there in front of us. 
And that's right. That's right. It's a both. Both. There, there's evidence, and pe- people will say, you know, particularly about creationists, they'll you know, you know, you work on faith, but I'm a scientist evidence. That's mm-hmm. the way they portray it. And they may portray themselves as being superior, being better, you know, and uh, you, you, but in actual fact, it's just exactly what you said, Lawson, mm. is that both are based on faith, they're based on an assumption mm. about what happened in the past. And so, as uh, as, as sort of the, the most geologists assume that what happened in the past is what we see happening today, so they go around looking for things which might explain it. And so, as Christians, we who believe the Bible, we sort of look at it and we think, well, the Bible's got this account of this great catastrophe, global catastrophe, and so let's see if that's going to work. Mm. See how that works. Mm. And so we uh, we find that it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you find coal deposits like in Newcastle, mm. if, uh, you know, around New South Wales. You find them down in Victoria and uh, uh, and that sort of thing. So the interesting thing is that um, the waters of Noah's flood, I mean, you know, I make a little joke about it. So oh, it's really complicated. During the flood, the waters went up down. So that's basically what happened. Mm. So the waters came up. We re- how the waters rose and they rose continually until every high mountain under the entire heavens were covered. So as the waters were rising, vegetation was ripped up of the pre-flood world and then it was buried. And that's what happened around um, around Newcastle in the Sydney area, the Sydney yeah. Basin. It mm. was buried. And that's and then you're gone. I was just going to say that's the very thing that we can see here from, from the, the evidence that's before us is that like what we can observe is the actual need for this global fata- catastrophe or a need for a flood because it's just not the case that plants die and turn into coal. Like no, there that's needs right. to be, and again, you know, the the amount of coal that we have here, the coal seams, they say that it, it would necessitate having vegetation that's a thousand feet thick, you know, in order yeah. to in order to create those coal seams. And what we can further observe again is that vegetation doesn't just die and turn into coal. Mm. There needs to be a sudden burial of that. That's right. And the, Some way to preserve it. That's and, right. Uh, and sudden burial preserves it. The other thing, see, there's a lot of uh, assumptions go into the story, the story about it. And, you know, they, they say you, you mentioned uh, thick or the vegetation being a thousand, a hundred meters thick or something. Mm. That's again because they assume that because they're trying to get to accumulate. Mm-hmm. And so they need a lot of time for it to accumulate, and if mm-hmm. a lot of time, uh, they're 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 sort of they've got to allow for a lot more vegetation mm-hmm. to be able to accumulate what's there. Mm-hmm. And so, in actual fact, if you've got the vegetation and it's buried rapidly mm-hmm. uh, before it was sort of sitting around for you know hundreds of years and rotting away, then you don't need that such a large volume of vegetation to actually bury for during the flood to produce the coal that we see. Absolutely. So there's a lot of lot of a lot of assumptions go into it and it's tricky because they sound so convincing and everybody mm. says the same thing. Yeah. yeah, so it's good it's amazing and um and so when you drive past those great big heaps and mountains of coal in yeah. Newcastle, aren't they? Yeah. And uh, it's shiny, it's 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 well, I think it's uh, an attractive rock, but yeah. I mean it's black and dirty and yucky. Yeah. But uh, 
but uh, it's amazing that it's all come out of the ground uh, and the people have, uh, have uh, it's, it's still got lots of gas in it. Mm. So they've got this, which is very dangerous in underground coal mines and uh, mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Coal's very, very interesting. It is incredibly a- interesting. And I think what we can see here is it tells a story of, uh, of you know, the, the history of the world and how God has worked. Taz, we've got to continue on with the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to the Faith FM Breakfast Show, positively different radio. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.